Wednesday, it's high noon. It is time for the AltaCast on Mutiny Radio.fm. Hi! Welcome. It's Wednesday. It's high noon. It's time for the AltaCast. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. I will be joined shortly by LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth Win. Yes! What do you have to look forward today on the AltaCast? Amazing things! Yes! Today... New rap by Hot Dirty P and the Sheriff. We'll be taking shots at Betsy DeVos. Pew, pew, shots fired. Our new uh, czar of education for the 45 Trump administration. Hell no. We're also going to talk about uh, making school lunch great again. As we know, our uh, new president, 45, really enjoys McDonald's and has no problem with sodium for children and their lunches. Let's take away all those wonderful fresh vegetables and fruits that the Obamas worked so hard to change the diets of young children to try to, I don't know, stave off childhood diabetes, which started in the 80s, didn't even exist in the 80s, and now it's rampant. Why? It couldn't be what we're feeding our children now, could it? making school lunch great again. Also, the Drug Policy Alliance news, thanks to our friend, Melissa Moore, at Drug Policy Alliance. Go check them out. Donate. Care. Uh, Also, the news from NARL, Pro-Choice America. Why why do we do the news from Drug Policy Alliance and NARL, Pro-Choice America here on the AltaCast every Wednesday from noon to two? Because those are the only things I care about. Drugs and abortion. Yay! Things that affect me directly. Care about them. Got to tell you guys about it. That's what we're talking about today here on the AltaCast. Uh, We're going to start out with the Drug Policy Alliance news. This is from uh, Melissa Moore. Thank you so much for sending this to me. Here's a press release from our allies at National Advocates for Pregnant Women. The Drug Policy Alliance submitted an amicus brief on behalf of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, American Society of Addiction Medicine, and American Public Health Association in support of Ms. Lorchter, in this case declaring unconstitutional Wisconsin's unborn child protection law, popularly known as the Cocaine Mom Law, when passed in 1997. Get into it. National Advocates for Pregnant Women. This was released on May 1st, and they are from advocatesforpregnantwomen.org. Check them out. Federal court declares Wisconsin unborn child protection law unconstitutional. Law permitting forced treatment and detention of pregnant women is struck down effective immediately. Court describes state approach to explaining the meaning of the law as a festival of circularity. On Friday evening, April 28, 2017, a federal court in Wisconsin struck down a state law authorizing the detention, forced treatment, and incarceration of pregnant women as unconstitutional. National Advocates for Pregnant Women, the NYU School of Law Reproductive Justice Clinic, and the Perkins Cole Law Firm in Madison, Wisconsin, represent plaintiff Tamara Lorchter, who sued the state of Wisconsin and Taylor County after medical staff and state actors transformed her efforts to obtain medical care into the basis of forced unnecessary treatment and then incarceration. The federal lawsuit challenges Wisconsin Act 292, the Unborn Child Protection Act, that Lynn Paltrow, executive director of NAPW, explains. 
quote, strips pregnant women of nearly every single right associated with constitutional personhood and endangers the health of pregnant women and babies, unquote. The law allowed the state to seize control of women, detain them in jail or other locked facilities and force them to submit to unconsented and inappropriate treatment if they are pregnant and use or even disclose past use of any amount of alcohol or controlled substance. On April 28th, the court issued a decision declaring the law to be unconstitutionally vague in violation of the constitutional rights to due process. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, American Society of Addiction Medicine, and American Public Health Association submitted a friend of the court amicus brief in support of striking down the law. Dr. Kathy Hartk, chair of the Wisconsin ACOG, commented, quote, this is a victory for the people of Wisconsin, public health, and for everyone who cares about the health of pregnant women and their babies, unquote. She explained, quote, for the first time in 19 years, Wisconsin women who become pregnant and seek medical help can do so without fear that their confidentiality will be violated and their health and their baby's health undetermined by forced treatment and punishment based on medical misinformation and stigma. Popularly known as the Cocaine Mom Law, when it was passed in 1997, Act 292 gave local social service departments and juvenile courts jurisdiction over an unborn child, defined as a human being from the time of fertilization to the time of birth, and also over the expectant mother a woman from the moment she becomes pregnant. Under the act, a pregnant woman could be subjected to forced treatment and detention if local governments felt that she, quote, habitually lacks self-control in the use of alcoholic beverages, controlled substances, or controlled substance analogs, exhibited a severe degree to the extent that there is a substantial risk that the physical health of the unborn child and the child when born will be seriously affected or endangered unless the expectant mother receives prompt and adequate treatment for the habitual lack of self-control. Wisconsin Statute 48-133. In reaching its decision, the court explained that Act 292 was passed and enacted despite warnings by the Wisconsin Legislative Council that the constitutionality of the law was highly doubtful, and despite opposition to the law from Wisconsin's own Department of Children and Families, the Division of Public Health's Substance Abuse Bureau, and the City of Milwaukee's Health Department. The law had also been overwhelmingly opposed by the leaders of the Wisconsin medical community. Lynn Paltrow, executive director of NAPW, explained, anti-abortion organizations used popular but scientifically disproven myths about pregnant women and cocaine to use lobby for a law, use to lobby for a law that purported to protect unborn children, but in fact subverted maternal and child health and deprived adult women who became pregnant of fundamental constitutional rights, including the right to decide to have an abortion. Paltrow said, the decision makes clear that the constitutional protections afforded by the well-established principles of notice and fairness apply equally to pregnant people. After examination, the court concluded that the act is vague and in violation of the U.S. Constitution's guarantee of due process of law, explaining it affords neither fair warning as to the conduct it prohibits nor reasonably precise standard for enforcement. 
This court concluded that given the vagueness of the law, erratic enforcement driven by the stigma attached to drug and alcohol use by expectant mothers is all but ensured. Ms. Lorster's own experience confirmed this conclusion. As a result of seeking health care and to what the court described as her commitment to having a healthy baby and to take care of herself, she became subject to forced treatment and incarceration pursuant to Act 292. As the court explained, her history of modest drug and alcohol use, which she self-reported while seeking medical care, became the basis for Taylor County's claim that she habitually lacked self-control and a court hearing to determine whether Ms. Lorchester could be deprived of her freedom. Pursuant to Act 292, Ms. Lorchester had no right to have counsel present or appointed at that initial hearing, but a lawyer was immediately appointed to represent her 14-week fetus. Huh? Following the hearing at which she was not represented, she essentially had the choice between being forcibly detained indefinitely at a drug treatment facility that provided no prenatal care or going to jail for 30 days where she would receive no prenatal care. In fact, Ms. Lorster ended up incarcerated in a county jail for weeks where she was denied prenatal care and as a result of refusing to take pregnancy tests was for some of the time locked in solitary confinement holding cell, isolated from human contact. The court concluded that the conduct covered by the act is fundamentally unclear, characterizing the phase phrase habitual lack of self-control as fundamentally ambiguous and rejecting the state's attempt to explain the meaning of the term as festival of circularity. The court also concluded that there was virtually no concrete evidence to substantiate the purported risk to the child and that expert evidence in the case made one thing abundantly clear. Current medical science cannot tell us what level or of you what level of drug or alcohol use will pose a substantial risk of serious damage to an unborn child. The court found Act 292 to be unconstitutionally vague and stopped enforcement of the law statewide. Dr. Alexandra Zygierska, a family medicine and addiction medicine physician in Madison, Wisconsin, who served as an expert in the case, said... This decision comes at a time when we know several important things, that the outcome of any particular pregnancy has typically far more to do with the life circumstances of women who grow up in, such as poverty, poor nutrition, or access to health care, than any particular thing she does or does not do during pregnancy, that the use of criminalized drugs is less risky to the developing fetus than once thought, and that the best way to protect babies and grow healthy children is to provide confidential, non-threatening health care that keeps mothers engaged in treatment, and if they need it, and the mothers and babies together. Nancy Rosenblum's NAPW's director of legal advocacy explained, although the court did not specifically rule on other constitutional claims raised by our client, the court acknowledged that the law implicates a number of fundamental constitutional rights. The court wrote, contrary to the state's contention, the act plainly implicates constitutional rights, particularly the right to be free from physical restraint, as well as the rights to personal privacy, the right to be free from coerced medical treatment and body, bodily integrity. The court also ruled that while the state is unconstitutional and enforcement of that the state law is unconstitutional and enforcement of it must stop immediately, Ms. Lorchester would not be allowed to sue Taylor County for monetary damages. Professor Sarah Burns of the NYU Law School Representative Reproductive Justice Clinic explained 
This part of the ruling is based on law that makes it difficult to hold municipalities liable for their practices, and as a result, insulates the county from responsibility for the harm of, to women, resulting in county actions including stress, serious physiolog physiological harm, and loss of trust in medical providers. Miss Lorchester, 29, at the time of the proceeding, gave birth to a healthy baby who is now a thriving two-year-old. Miss Lorchester and her family felt driven out of Wisconsin as a result of the government's actions and now live in another state. Wow. Well, I'm really glad that you can't lock up pregnant women anymore for drinking for drinking a beer. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys have heard my joke. I'm sure I've told it a million times on this. I have a really great. Uh, it's fun. it's a, the Drug Policy Alliance today goes together with Narl. I love it. I love it. My two favorite news agencies and truth seekers and uh, nonprofits trying to forward policy change uh, are on the same team isn't that amazing uh, so i have a i have a joke about yeah you know, i'm a 42 year old woman of childbearing age and wow if they overturn roe v wade i am gonna have to buy some new tools you know what i'm saying uh if if you make me have a baby if i get pregnant and and i have to have this kid i am gonna need some new tools because i am gonna have to drill some uh, holes in my boyfriend's trunk so the baby can breathe while we're hanging out at the bar. <laughs> you see, can't afford a babysitter? Are you kidding me? Making me have a baby? Uh, yeah, and then that, that, that kid, you know, it turns five. It's in kindergarten and uh, I have to go to some stupid parent-teacher conference and the teacher looks at me and she's like, uh, you know, your, your child said you love alcohol more than it. And I said, this is a sippy cup filled with vodka, you dumb bitch. <laughs> I didn't want to have a baby. And then at 12, it finally starts doing ketamine, and I'm like, whoa, who's your dealer? Maybe I can take you to Burning Man this year. That'll be fun. And then at 15, it starts doing cocaine, and it teaches me uh, a really great pro tip. If you've been doing cocaine for more than 24 hours, you don't eat your boogers, you smoke them. And then uh, at 17, this, uh, this uh, kid I finally dies from this crazy speedball overdose, right? Like heroin, cocaine, ouch, woo, dead. And I'm like 17 years old. It's a 17 year late term abortion, you guys. I didn't wanna have the baby in the first, it was your choice, America, to put it through rehab four times, not mine. Anyways, that's my favorite abortion joke that I tell. Yay! Uh, but I can't imagine that if I, well, if my rights to make choices about my own body and my future as a really poor artist in San Francisco, if that suddenly became different, wow. Although I have an IUD, so don't worry, everybody. Don't worry, I'm not having any kids. Don't worry, I won't poison the wells of America. I only do that through teaching. Ha ha ha, just kidding. Well, no, I do. Uh, every, from five to six, guys, every Wednesday, it's the Boys and Girls Clubhouse. A lot of fun, junior high kids hanging out with me, doing radio, being appropriate. You know you love it. All right. Uh, let's see what the Freedom Socialist Party says today. Oh, hey. So, May Day 2017, the giant stands up. So, did everybody, was everybody around for May Day? Now, while I really think it's great that people are still in the streets and protesting, man, did that mess me up on Monday. I was trying to get here by 2 o'clock to train, 
for the new show on Thursday nights from 10 to midnight called 10 Bucks Transportation and a Blowjob. And I was supposed to be here at 2 o'clock to help Geneva Rustorta with her new show, Last Day of Training. I had to almost walk all the way from the Tenderloin to here because of the protesters. But hey, I know about May Day now. It was, I don't mean to be like cheeky about it, but it's, it's hard for me. I mean, I understand we still have to get out into the streets and we still, if we don't like protest things in the street, then we don't look serious. But then people protesting in the streets don't look serious anyways. It kind of looks like a parade. I'm like, are you going to throw candy? Where's the float? You got beads? Uh, I would say show us your tits, but that would not be uh, that would not be pro-feminist, now would it? Or would it? I don't even know anymore. I get to do this really great show in uh, Campbell. I say Campbell, Los Gatos, somewhere over there, and it's a clothing optional place. And I'm totally gonna do comedy naked. That is gonna be so fun because I feel like sometimes nudity desexualizes everything. Or if you, if you come out on stage with no clothes. That's one. If you take off your clothes, I feel like somehow sexualized. But if you go out on stage with no clothes on, it's like, hey, I'm just out here naked. For some reason, that seems like a feminist act. I don't know. It's so hard to tell anymore. Um, so I will read. This is from uh, the latest issue of Dispatch from Freedom Socialist, the voice of revolutionary feminism. This is from Doug Barnes. National Secretary of FSP, Freedom Socialist Party. When I was about 11 and picking beans with other school kids and farm worker families near Salem, Oregon, the farmer did us wrong. The field was already picked over before we got there and the farmer lowered the amount paid per pound. So the farm workers encouraged us kids to walk off the job with them. We enthusiastically agreed and went on strike together to the chagrin of the irate farmer. Those farm workers, many from Mexico, taught us the power of withholding our labor. This May Day, the same forces across the U.S. are showing the way forward for the whole labor movement. Hundreds of thousands of farm workers, food processors, janitors, and restaurant and fast food workers are hitting the bricks in a general strike called A Day Without an Immigrant. Organizers from coast to coast are mobilizing at dozens of workplaces to walk out in defiance of the 45 administration's attacks on immigrants and refugees and in favor of full citizenship rights for all. They are consciously defending others under attack, including climate justice and Black Lives Matter activists. Meanwhile, resolutions in support of the strike, such as the one posted at organizedworkers.org, are being discussed in dozens of unions and some labor councils. These include uh, AFSCMESEIU, Teamsters, United Food and Commercial Workers, Teachers Unions, and more. While some within organized labor argue they can't violate no, violate no strike contact contracts, others such as the ILWU Local 10 and SEIU United Service Workers West are valiantly withholding their labor. Other unions have passed resolutions encouraging support for the general strike and are relying on workers taking an unpaid or vacation day to take part. However we get out into the streets, labor needs to be there in support of those risking everything to resist the powers that be. Given that the bosses have set their sights on breaking unions through passage of devastating right-to-work legislation, these brave souls are indeed showing the way forward for the entire labor movement. We must resist and organize together. The organized 
the, or, the organized and unorganized, the documented and undocumented, to defend those most vulnerable and those who are shouting the loudest for our rights. Si se puede. All right. So there we go. Thanks, Freedom Socialist. I'm sorry that I said bad things about Mayday. It's just, oh. When the when my commute gets messed up, I mean, this is this is here's me being a selfish American. Here's me being an entitled American. But I'm trying to get to my job. <laughs> Even though my job's like a volunteer job, I still wanted to get there because I had, you know, a responsibility to the people that I, and I just didn't know it was happening. If I knew the strike was happening, I would have left at noon instead of at one, and I would have would not have complained about having to walk all the way to the mission. I would have just done it and be like, well, today I'm walking to the mission because I'm in. Yay, strike. But instead, I was like on a bus moving half a block going, I just strike, mayday, poo on mayday. I went like half a block on the 47 and I walked up to the bus driver and I'm like, operator, is it unsafe to let me out here? And he said, yeah, but go ahead. And he opened the doors for me and then I just got out and walked the rest of the way. So thank you, Muni. Thank you for not striking because I got great love for you, Muni. I do, I do. Uh, here we go. One more for Drug Policy Alliance. Since we kind of did Drug Policy Alliance first, but it was Gnarl News first. So there's the Gnarl News first. And here's Drug Policy Alliance. Um, I'm excited about this. The Drug Policy Alliance releases four new videos about MDMA, cocaine, heroin, and methamphetamine. Videos provide history, science, and harm reduction information. Yeah! We're going to listen to these. Today, the Drug Policy Alliance released four videos that provide information about MDMA, cocaine, heroin, and methamphetamine. Each video is approximately two minutes long and informs the viewer about where the drug comes from, its history, and the best harm reduction practices for anyone who may choose to use the drug. Drug Policy Alliance believes that to effectively promote real drug education and safety, one must understand a drug's effects, both positive and negative, why people use it, as well as its potential risks and benefits. Many drug education campaigns fall back on scare tactics or oversimplification, sending the message that drug use is a uniform phenomenon with straightforward causes and solutions and provide little context about a drug's history. Yet honest information is the key to preventing problematic drug use. This includes making a distinction between the harm that can be caused by the substance itself and the harm caused by drug war policies. Formal drug education often ignores the history of how and why a drug was discovered and who used it before and after it was prohibited. We believe that people should be offered balanced information to make their own choices and ensure their own safety, whether they choose to remain abstinent or not, says Stephanie Jones, Director of Audience Development for the Drug Policy Alliance. These videos aim to present straightforward, factual information that give you greater context context about each substance. Yay! The DPA worked with Dr. David Simmons, a board-certified physician, to present the information. For example, in the video about heroin, Dr. Simmons says, one critical safety measure is to discourage someone from using alone. This is one of the reasons that a growing number of health experts are advocating for safe consumption facilities where people use heroin under medical supervision. The DPA also recently produced thorough fact sheets and media tip sheets on a number of commonly misunderstood substances. Marijuana, LSD, psilocybin mushrooms, MDMA, synthetic cannabinoids, synthetic caffeinones, which are bath salts, flocca, etc., and fentanyl and synthetic opioids. In addition, Drug Policy Alliance maintains dozens of additional well-cited fact sheets on a broad spectrum of drug policy issues for use by members of the media, academics, advocates, and others. 
Uh, Drug Policy Alliance also has this great section of pictures that you can use stock photos. So if you're in a media outlet and you want to talk about marijuana use and you know, instead of putting up a picture of like a bleary-eyed stoner, you know, like all, there's wonderful pictures of like people over 40 sitting in bed together, sharing a bowl of multi-ethnic people sitting at a party, playing a board game with a bong on the table, these kinds of things. Um, A woman and her cat sitting together and she's smoking a joint, these kinds of things. Uh, they're great because the media images that are representative smokers just continue the stigma that we're all just losers. Nay, nay, I tell you. I had an old joke that never worked that was, uh, marijuana doesn't make you dumb. It can't. I have two master's degrees, you know, but if marijuana makes you dumb, then if I never smoked it, I would, I would be an intolerable person to hang out with because I would think I'm the smartest person alive. Uh, good thing I dumbed myself down with the uh, weed. It never came off as a joke because it just sounds makes me sound like I'm an egotistical um, narcissist, which is not untrue. As I wait here patiently for my wonderful co-host Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, win. Uh, I don't. I don't want to just be talking by myself. <laughs> I'm sure you just don't want to be listening to me, uh, but we're going to, what we'll do is uh, we'll watch these wonderful videos. I'm very excited. I kind of want to wait till Latoya gets here to watch the videos though. So uh, let's go. We'll go back to Narl and see what they say about um, uh, here. Oh, they don't, they don't have anything new in for us. Oh, Narl. Well, good thing we did the Wisconsin thing because I don't have any. I don't have any really good stuff from that. We got reports, facts, and polling sheets. We'll go to that. We'll see what Narl has for us today. Feel free to donate to Narl uh, or to to any of these three uh, news outlets: MutinyRadio.fm, Narl, Pro Choice America, or Drug Policy Alliance. All of us have donate buttons on our web pages. Go to them. Please do that. Uh, so yeah, as the suicide sausage is playing in the back, I, this song makes me laugh because suicide sausage makes me somehow think about Narl Pro Choice America in a weird oblique spin on the way. Well, back to Drug Policy Alliance. We're gonna get into these videos because I'm excited about them. And seriously, check out their—they really have these uh, great fact sheets. We went through them the other. A week about spice and K2 and bath salts and flocka. Really interesting stuff because I have had no idea about those drugs. I've, I've seen some um, really cool uh, interventions on. There were some special interventions on flocka and and uh, that. And I wow, I was intrigued by that just because their lives were being so messed up and they were still doing it. I was like, I don't, yeah, I can't believe it. Why would you, why would you do a drug that makes you feel so yucky? You know, like, I just, I don't know. Uh, here we go. Hi, I'm Dr. David Simmons, board certified in family medicine, and I'm here to give you the facts about MDMA. MDMA is the official scientific name for a drug commonly referred to as ecstasy or molly. It was originally synthesized in 1912 by the drug company Merck. In the 1970s, MDMA was used to assist psychotherapy. 
After MDMA grew popular for recreational purposes, it was banned in the US in 1985, but remains a popular drug in the party and nightlife scene. People who use MDMA describe themselves as feeling euphoric, open, accepting, unafraid, and connected to the people around them which is why it's proven useful in therapy. Overdose from MDMA is possible, but rare. More often, medical problems or death come from mixing MDMA with alcohol or other drugs. Complications can also arise from pre-existing health conditions, overexertion, dehydration, or when the drug has been adulterated or cut with other substances. A frequent misconception is that the powder form, often called Molly, is pure MDMA. Drug checking, also known as pill testing or adulterant screening, is one way to get more information about whether a drug contains MDMA or has been cut with other substances. A dangerously high increase in body temperature or heat stroke is the most common medical problem associated with MDMA. Hyperthermia can result from physical exertion, such as dancing, in an overheated environment without taking breaks or replenishing fluids. In extreme cases, hyperthermia can cause liver, kidney, or heart failure, or even death. Another concern concern for people who take MDMA is hyponatremia, drinking too much water, which causes the sodium in the blood to dilute to critically low levels. There's no absolutely safe way to take a drug, but experts recommend that anyone using MDMA start low and go slow, and seek medical attention for any complications. To learn more about MDMA and other drugs, go to drugpolicy.org. Start low and go slow. We are joined. The toy of the Sheriff of Truth win. Yes! Yay! So we already did the gnarl. Well, the Drug Policy Alliance news kind of came with the gnarl news because what Melissa Moore of the Drug Policy Alliance sent me was um, Wisconsin overturned Act 292, which was since 1997, they called it the cocaine mom law, and they could incarcerate women who were pregnant. If they, like, let's say you go to the doctor and you say, and, and, but not even cocaine. They, they did it under cocaine, but they could incarcerate you if you... So this one woman sued them because she went to her doctor and said, well, I had a glass of wine or two. And, and they, if they say if you have... Uh, you, it's a vague law about self-control or something. And so they incarcerated her for weeks, giving her no prenatal care. And under the auspices of this law. So now it's overturned because she sued them and it's a really great, it's a, it's a great step because it was basically took away the rights, constitutional rights of pregnant women. So you could wow. so you could go to your doctor and they'd be like, so blah, blah, blah. And you'd be like, oh, well, I had a cigarette the other week and I, I went to a party and I had a couple glasses of wine and they could incarcerate you. Wow. Is it that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. I have never heard of that. Yeah. Well, it's, oh, it's over now, thank God. Thank but God. so when this woman um, got incarcerated when they first indicted her or whatever, they gave her no lawyer, but they gave her 14-week-old unborn fetus a lawyer. Wait, what? Yeah, exactly. So she had no lawyer. She had no representation. But her unborn child had representation. And she went to the doctor because she wanted to have a healthy child. She just was telling them about the honest, honest truth. truth. And so they were saying, like, you're denying women health care access and honesty with their doctors and blah, blah, blah. Confidential. Isn't there something with con confidentiality? Confidentiality, yeah. But then this, this law superseded that. And it was really willy-nilly. It was super vague. And so they said it was unconstitutional. Yay. So that was the first news story. And then... We, positive. It's super positive, but it's super negative that existed and we didn't even know about I it know. since 1997. Um, so that and so that was the kind of the gnarl news slash drug policy. And then Drug Policy Alliance is so awesome, they put together these four videos to teach people about what drugs are really like. And because nice. safety, it, it's to know the history and to know what, so that kids aren't just willy-nilly taking things. And, and how overdoses happen. Exactly. Right, and saying, don't do heroin alone, just no. But with the MDMA, 
Start low, go slow. Don't just take a whole pill. Take a fourth of a pill and see what happens to you. Don't, just because you're friends, don't fall into the peer pressure. Don't fall into the 10 pill, 5 pill, and mm-mm, mix shit. Mm-mm. I started off with doing just a halfy. Yeah. That's the way I was taught. I right, good. Drug taking. But not everybody was, and I've told the story about when I took the MDMA and we'd been doing meth all night, but I didn't know that there was a synergistic effect between MDMA and methamphetamine. Isn't one plus one is two, it's one plus two is five. Right. And so I didn't know, and I took a whole pill, and then they're like, you were supposed to take half, and I'm like, you didn't tell me! And then I got <laughs> so high, and I blacked out for hours. But and that was, that's a lesson learned where it's just like, you know, there are people where, you know, they'll do it just because of like I got really fucked up that one time let me see if I can go th- get that fucked up again right right well I was just like well that's mm. no fun mm. and, t- and never t- well they, they have one about acid too so that'll be fun ooh there's one on acid yeah there's one on we watch the MDMA now we're gonna do cocaine we're gonna watch cocaine ooh yeah that's my favorite cocaine see now that that's my drug of choice but cocaine but I also hi I'm Dr. David Simmons board certified here, wait, in family we'll talk medicine. about cocaine for a second and I'm before we start okay we'll talk about cocaine oh yeah I mean like I've, I think I've said it many times over before on the air that yeah, that is I do like cocaine but there's also the dangerous aspect of doing too much of it which the majority of people do know that you know cocaine is one hell of a drug we've seen we've seen blow yeah. Or no, we've seen and we've seen Boogie Nights. We've, we've seen, seen Boogie we've Nights. We've seen Scarface. We've, yeah, we've, we've seen, seen Scarface. That's the triptych, right? Scarface, Blow, and Boogie Nights. If you've seen those and you still want to do cocaine for 24 hours, man, if you got that much money, oh, I that's me, that's the problem right there because that's something I don't do anymore because you feel like shit. It's like with mm-hmm. alcohol. Like I do like to drink, you like to drink, but you know there's a cutting off point where it's just like oh, you know what? I'm not going to stay here and keep drinking because um, I'm going to feel like shit tomorrow. Right, right, right. You well, know. I'm actually taking, I haven't drank, my last drink was, I had, on Saturday, I had five beers total, but on Sunday when I woke up, I was feeling awful and it couldn't have just been a hangover. My kidney was killing me. I was having, I was just like in so much pain all day and I was oh, like, no. I was like, I need a couple days off. You're because although I haven't been like, binge drinking I've been drinking consistently like you know at least two beers a night with some excessive drinking on like the 420 weekend I was at a party where I drank like so much out of town out of town yeah Yeah. but the like what's been built up in my system finally hit a wall I only had I had five beers from 430 until 10 o'clock and I went home I went and ate I went and got food and then I went home and went to sleep and I woke up the next morning like feeling like I was dying and I I just think it was the over time my body just finally said hey 42 year old lady chill the fuck out so I thought it was going to be really hard this week because no one else is I'm not like I'm not one of those people that's like Jonathan I'm taking a week off from drinking and I'd like you to do it with me to support me I'm not like that I'm like the so I've still been like Last night I babysat, but then I got out early, so I went to watch the rest of the basketball game. And I was at the bar, and I just drank water the whole time. I've done this for, today's Wednesday, so Sunday I didn't go out. Monday I was out, and I didn't drink. Tuesday I was out, and I didn't drink. I'm going to try it again. Tonight I'm going to hit three open mics, and I'm just going to try to drink water. It's going to be so weird. I haven't, I haven't taken this many days off of alcohol in, in a while. In a, in a really long time. And the thing is, it's tricky. What's tricky about alcohol and stuff? You're always surrounded by it, oh, it's and it's, it's 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 acceptable. 
and it's easy to get. And I, I think we, we, you know, by you saying that, like, you know, now we know we're not alcoholics. I have two beers in my fridge. They've been there. They've been there for a week and a half. I have two IPAs in my fridge. They just sit Most there. alcoholics would have snatched that up already. Right. No, I have two IPAs in my fridge. They're just sitting there. And they're, and they're not even, like, calling to me or anything. I'm just like, eh. It, it might be a little difficult tonight at the open mics because I get so bored of other comics that it's better to, like drink excessively so I can laugh but I think that tonight I'm just going to concentrate on doing comedy and I'm not going to stick around and I'm not going to drink I'm just going to just do that I'm just going to go brainwash eagle and then back here and I'm going to go home and, and wake up feeling good and I know it's weird yeah. wake not being sweaty and weird and I it's I mean I'm not going to I'm not teetotaling forever I'm just taking a week off to see like A I can do it yeah and B, like, is there a difference? Like, I don't think that my decision-making is going to be any different, and I don't think it's going to affect my comedy at all. But just, like, I don't know, waking up in the morning and being able to... Enjoy the morning. Enjoy the morning. Yeah, I mean, I I have to take a break, too. <laughs> it's been a crazy couple of days um, where there was, you know, alcohol involved, of course, and drugs... Um, and I'm just like, today I woke up, I'm like, I, I don't feel like this today. I don't feel right. like that today. I, 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 I want to just drink water and juice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you got, you've got the organic yeah. green thing. Some apple celery. Nice. Though this is the perfect, nice cold beer day, mm. but I've, I can have many of those in the future. Yeah. I'm even feeling like I ate a kale salad for dinner last night. Hey. Like that's what I'm like sitting here going and I'm like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> What's going on? But I have a I have a doctor's appointment scheduled for the twelfth, and I'm gonna get all my my kidney functions and my liver functions checked. And you're not ignoring your body. I'm not ignoring my body. Most people no. ignore their body. You know that's the thing. You're not ignoring your body. You're like, uh, something doesn't seem right, or maybe my, my body's just saying, like you said, slow the fuck slow down. down. Yeah. You know, but I mean, that's the thing. Sometimes people are just like, oh, I'll just get over it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm like, no. No, not when well, that, that's the thing is I, I had the kidney issue and I posted it on the Facebook and all these people got to me and two people, one, the guy said, uh, kidney pain is no joke. I went in for kidney pain thinking it was stones and they told me I had cancer. And then underneath it was another friend of mine that went, me too. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. So what, I haven't been on social media, so that's why I no, good for you. about that. But, um, so I'm going to go get all my functions checked. I'm going to get my first mammogram. Good. Yay, titty 42, smash. I'm going to get my first mammogram. I'm going to get my yearly pap smear. I'm going to have them fiddle around and see what's going on with my IUD. Make sure everything's normal in there. Yeah. All the girly parts. So, you know, and it's it's been two years since I've been, so I'm like, it's time. It's like, time. I mean, I don't go to the doctor every year because I am on Medi-Cal and I don't want to, like, waste all of our county service money, but I'm going to go every two years because I want to, it's going to be better for me to know my health status now and take care of myself better if I need to. Because mm -hmm. every time I've gone in in the past, they've been like, uh, you're liver and kidney functions are within no normal ranges so you're okay and i'm like really <laughs> but you just want to also you like really? every year it's it's very important to figure out especially the lifestyle that we do live right it's just like listen i'm not trying to kill myself right no i'm not trying to yeah but i want to make sure that if 
if I am killing myself, let me just stop this shit now or right. cut it to. Well, and that's why I don't do cocaine anymore because, and it's not that I don't like cocaine. I mean, it's that the next day, if I'm going to do it, even, even a little bump, okay? Even one tiny little bit. I have to know that the next day is shot. Uh, I am worthless the next day. You have the worst cocaine hangover. I just can't even. I just can't even. Like, I can't even read a book. I can't even. All I can do is kind of lay there and maybe watch a Netflix. And not even that, because I'm like, my eyes hurt and my body's just like. I'm like As your teeth uh, are grinding. It just, everything is, my body just doesn't react to it well anymore. And it just says like, ew. So if I'm going to like have that fun <laughs> that party time right i have to know i have to understand what's on the other side of it let's see what the doctor says yes cocaine we'll doc. see what cocaine doc dr simmons facts about cocaine cocaine comes from the leaves of the coca plant which grows in the andes mountains in south america for thousands of years many of the indigenous people of this region have chewed coca leaves to produce a mild stimulating feeling this traditional use continues today Scientists isolated cocaine from coca leaves in the 1850s. Until the start of the 20th century, this new wonder drug could be found in countless medicines to treat a variety of ailments. It was also included in many of the popular health tonics of the day, including Coca-Cola. Most users sniff or snort cocaine, although it can be injected or smoked. Despite media exaggerations, harsher penalties, and a U.S. drug panic in the 1980s, crack is just a smokable derivative of powder cocaine. Chemically, crack cocaine and powder cocaine are the same drug. Really? Using cocaine, like other stimulant drugs, increases activity and often leads to a desire to use more. Increased or prolonged use of cocaine can cause sleeplessness, which can impact appetite, blood pressure, mental health, and susceptibility to illness. Anyone taking stimulant drugs is advised to be careful to moderate use, don't mix with other drugs, including alcohol, and stay hydrated. Avoiding the sharing of equipment such as needles, straws, and other utensils also helps to reduce risk. To learn more about cocaine and other drugs, go to drugpolicy.org. And don't use dollar bills. That's right. Nasty. I heard that's like the worst thing to do because money is really disgusting. Because they're gross. Yeah. Because so, <laughs> this is something I have learned over the years of my drug use, especially with cocaine. Because there was a point in time when I was getting really, really out of control. Right. And me I too. Uh, me too. I, I, there's, I know. Me yeah. too. I mean, the thing is, now it's like at the point where it's just like, if it's there, I'm not going to be like thirsty about it like how I used to be like hungry nosed hungry nosed that's what I used to call them hungry noses (laughs) when you go to a party and you see the person with cocaine or with methamphetamine walk by and then three other people come slowly after and they're like going by those are the hungry noses yeah they're like I know someone got a bag around here I've been to many parties like that too that's so true there's a little there's a group I also know now it's just like I'll probably only take a couple lines I, I don't I can't do a whole eight ball. I could never do stuff like that. I can't do all nighters anymore. Because he used to do it. He used to do it. Felt like shit. Now I guess it's just the responsible way of doing cocaine, where I mix marijuana with it too, because it it kind of evens it out. Um, Gives you something to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Pack that bowl, real, uh-huh. real. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I the also way it sleep be. better. Um, when I bounce it out on right, marijuana. Right. But you can't always do everyone's cocaine. You know why? You you just said the M word a few minutes ago. 
Uh, oh, meth. Yeah, because they can mix it around. And now that's the thing, too, is Drug Policy Alliance is really pushing for these drug testing sites. So if you go to one of these crazy parties, there should be like a screening system. There, there should be public access to drug checking so that you can know. Because people commonly believe now that, oh, if it's in a pill and it's white, it's Molly, it's, it's MDMA and it's pure. And it's like, there can be anything in that. I mean, they'll cut it with... I mean, they'll baby laxative, but there's all kinds of things you can cut it with. I mean, skin. What did we hear about the one guy who um, he would take his foot and he'd shave his, he'd get like the, like, you know, like skin shavings basically and mix it in because it's white and gross, right? Horrible. Just be cheap as fuck. Right. And just, it's when you take your cut and then you cut in your own foot to balance it out. Yeah, and I always know who your dealer is. Right. You know. Well, it's just, it's cost prohibitive. <laughs> Anybody who's doing that much cocaine, like, what are you doing with your money? It, when I, I used to, I used to make actual money and I used to, I, we started back in my early thirties. I'd go visit my friend and like almost every weekend because my ex-husband was, he was working on the weekends and I was like, I might as well just go to LA and hang out with my friend. But I mean, when we added, I was spending like $400 a month on cocaine. Damn. And that was like, n- not, I mean, it was just weekends. Yeah. But it was like every weekend. It adds up. I mean, and that's, that's not, I mean, I, I know people that spend a lot more than that. I watch the interventions and they're like, spends up to $400 a day. I'm like, how is that possible? Scary, scary stuff. Yeah. Uh, the next drug is heroin. That scares me. Yes, heroin. Don't be scared by the heroin. They use it all the time. I want to know about the history of the heroin. It's from the... Here comes our, here comes our doctor friend, Dr. Simmons. Heroin was first synthesized for morphine in 1874 and marketed by Bayer, the German pharmaceutical company. Wow. Hi, I'm Dr. David Simmons, board certified in family medicine, and I'm here to give you the facts about heroin. Heroin was first synthesized from morphine in 1874 and marketed by Bayer, the German pharmaceutical company, until it was made illegal in the U.S. in 1924. Other forms of opiates similar to heroin, like oxycodone and fentanyl, continue to be available as prescribed pain medicines. Like other opiates, heroin is a sedative drug that slows body functioning and lessens emotional aches and pains. People who use heroin may develop a physical dependence. Regular use increases this potential risk. Most fatal overdoses are caused by combining heroin with alcohol or another drug. Symptoms of a heroin overdose include slow and shallow breathing, convulsions, and coma. Sharing needles can spread deadly diseases such as HIV and hepatitis B and C. The chance of surviving an overdose, like that of surviving a heart attack, depends greatly on how fast one receives medical assistance. The life-saving medicine naloxone is relatively easy for most people to administer and reverses the effects of a heroin overdose. One critical safety measure is to discourage someone from using alone. This is one of the reasons a growing number of health experts are advocating for safe consumption facilities where people use heroin under medical supervision. These facilities often provide access to counseling and supportive health services. There's also been success using medications such as methadone and buprenorphine to help people stop or reduce heroin use. To learn more about heroin and other drugs, go to drugpolicy.org. Ain't nothing fun about that. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the, the one thing to know, though, is that it's the... 
these safe injection sites are that people are talking about to reduce harm induction. Oh, yeah. Reduction. They're so important because, Shared as we talked needles. about last week, people who can have an overdose, they're, there's nowhere to do heroin. If you want to do heroin, you don't want the cops to see you and you... And you don't want to share it with anybody else. But so you go off alone and you do too much heroin and then you die. you die. So if there's a safe injection site where a nurse can provide you with a free needle and then they talk to you and maybe you have crazy track marks and maybe they see some weird infection you have and then you have access to health care. Isn't that better? Yes. And I, I mean, I guess there's the new administration says like they're going back to that. You're a bad part. You're Dude, you're a bit KKK's okay until I heard they were doing marijuana. They're bad people. Like, drugs don't make Drug people... addicts are criminals. Right, well, but doing drugs yeah. doesn't make you a bad person. No. They're not, like, mutually exclusive. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's the actions of what happens to people on drugs that becomes painful and where people feel violated and what have you it's the actions because it, it's not the drugs themselves it's the people you know who become addicts their actions right. they steal know. things and they it's because they're sick they're sick and they i mean i've seen oh i've been seeing some people on the well okay so it's the beginning of the month and i'm sure you see it too at the beginning of the month sort of and it's been warm everybody was on the streets on May, on the first of May, everyone's like, "What's going on?" People are talking about. I was talking to some people, and I was like, "Well, it's the first of the month. Everyone got their check." <laughs> so that's why everybody's high on the street. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's got a forty in their hand on check day. You know what I'm saying? Like it was. I was walking here, and I was like, "Look at all the people that are out. This is. It's not just because it's Sunday. It's because everybody got their money. Today's yeah. another big day. The first, the third, and the seventh are the check days. Big check. Yeah, come and get it. And probably drink it up or shoot it up or snort right. it up or what have you but i mean the thing is we are about to go back into that throwback of the war uh, on drugs and yeah. how drug drug addicts are criminals right i mean unless they commit a crime they're not criminals right you know when you start robbing people and you know hurting people yeah but people i mean people are sick that's what it is and now we talk about this all the time. Who are the biggest drug pushers right now? The pharmaceutical right. companies. Yeah, exactly. You know. Well, and and this actually, big business gets into, once we're done with the Drug Policy Alliance stuff, big business is back in the kids' food system. Big business uh, is what is is what, and we can see, and we're already starting to see with 45, 100 days, and the changes that are happening to policy um, and, and who that policy affects negatively and who that policy affects positively it's scary and i hope that people continue um ranking up and creating a case for 45 using presidential and governmental um resources to forward his own monetary gain uh the whole yeah, Mar-a-Lago exactly thing and doing. well exactly in the tomahawk missiles he owns stock in them and yeah. to send those over to syria specifically picking those missiles just using the office for financial gain personally could impeach him but using the office to help these large corporations you know his benefit his buddies that that hurts us all and 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 nobody pays the bill for that well we do it's the same thing with the new i'm gonna i'm gonna i know how to fix everything i'm gonna put a gas tax on the cars oh another poor tax so all the people that are driving cars You've, you've, yeah, yeah. So I mean, who is it going to affect? It's going to affect 
poor people. It's another poor tax. Good job. Good job. Good another. Uh, here we go. This is our last one. The facts about methamphetamine. I'm not into it. Hi, I'm Dr. David Simmons, board certified in family medicine, and I'm here to give you the facts about methamphetamine. Methamphetamine is a stimulant drug. It's also commonly referred to as crystal meth or ice. Methamphetamine was developed in Japan in 1919, and its cousin, amphetamine, was created in Germany in 1887. Their chemical structures are similar, although the effects of methamphetamine are stronger. In 1971, the U.S. Congress passed a law that made amphetamine and methamphetamine mostly illegal apart from prescription use. Methamphetamine, like amphetamine, increases activity, decreases appetite for food, increases appetite for sex, and like other stimulant drugs, often leads to a desire to use more. Pharmaceutical methamphetamine is still available legally under the brand name Dizoxin. It's used Dizoxin. to treat severe obesity, narcolepsy, and ADHD. Pharmaceutical amphetamine is available by prescription under a number of brand names, most notably Adderall. Oh! Other amphetamine-like medications, such as Ritalin, are also widely prescribed. Methamphetamine and amphetamine have had popular use among athletes, soldiers in the military, and truck drivers. While there are serious risks associated with methamphetamine use, popular exaggeration often overshadows scientific fact about the drug and stigmatizes its users. Increased or prolonged use of methamphetamine can cause sleeplessness, which can impact appetite, blood pressure, mental health, and susceptibility to illness. Anyone taking stimulant drugs is advised to be careful to moderate use, don't mix with other drugs, including alcohol, and stay hydrated. Practicing safe sex and avoiding sharing of equipment such as needles, straws, or other utensils can also help reduce risk. To learn more about methamphetamine and other drugs, go to drugpolicy.org. Oh, so that's why I like meth addicts like fuck it. I had it right. Yeah. But I didn't know 100%. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and I, I didn't know Adderall. Adderall. Wow. Well, I knew that I knew that I used to call Ritalin baby methamphetamine, baby speed, because I used to buy it in Mexico and take it across the border, take it myself. And it was blue. And so if you snorted, it would give a little blue ring around your nose, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but I, I took a good share of Ritalin in my days. But people told me actually when I moved to the city and I'd still kind of was doing it as crushing it up or whatever. They, people came up to me. and They're like, you got to stop using that. And I was like, why? And they're like, because you, you, we don't like you on it. You, you aren't the same person. You aren't, you're kind of like totally nuts. And I was like, really? They're like, yeah, you're kind of annoying and nutty. And it isn't, it isn't, it isn't, it isn't a good look for you. And I was like, wow. I was like, really? Okay. Done and done. I don't need to do real That's fine. That was your intervention. It was kind of an intervention. It was a social intervention where people were like, we don't like being friends with you right now because you're weird. But those people were for your uh, best interest. Absolutely. Too. No, yeah. I didn't take it like, I didn't take it butthurt like, eh. It's the same way in that when I did at the beginning of 2010 and I, I did only hallucinogenic, I only ate foods with hallucinogenic properties for as long as I could and I made it 10 days. And I was in the back patio of vendors and my friend loud Josh came up to me and he's the dirtiest, loudest bike messenger of all time who does the most drugs and whiskey and is crazy, right? Crazy. And he comes up to me and says, uh, Pam, I think it's time to eat some food without, without shrooms or weed in it. He's like, you got, we, you're getting, you're kind of falling off. You're freaking out here. And I was like, really? <laughs> And he said, yeah. And I, so I've told him now he's 
kind of back in town and I told him the story and he's like, oh, I remember that. Yeah, he's like, no, that was great. Someone did that to me once and it was because he was the dirtiest, crustiest guy. like, if anyone else would have come up to you, you wouldn't have believed them. But me, you believe me. I'm like, of course I believe. If you, if you come up to me and tell me that I'm freaking out, Okay, I need to make some changes. changes. I need to eat some real food. I need to eat a burger. Okay, I gotcha. It's fine. Take a take a break. Sometimes that's all you need is an intervention. It's just yeah. like someone else that you know that you trust that is like a little bit more grimier and hardcore than you. That's yeah. telling you you're like, this is not for you. Yeah. I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> So yeah, that's those are my those are my little interventions. Well, that's the Drug Policy Alliance news for the day. We just uh, learned something. Yeah, we learned all kinds of stuff. I wonder if Doctor Simmons has done any of these drugs. You know, that's I know. I, I mean, research. I know a lot of vet. When I was, I've known a lot of veterinarians that have done a lot of hard. And I just, I don't know. I know doctors that smoke pot, but I've never really been. I mean, I and I know. I don't. I think that everybody does everything, but maybe doctors wouldn't maybe say anything about it or they do it in such moderation and in such safe circles that, I mean, at Burning Man, I'm sure there's tons of people who are doctors that are doing all kinds of weird shit. Oh yeah. But it's the, the stigma of, uh, what we, what we put in our bodies or. I guess it could be personal research. Now, this is a terrible thing. Research can sometimes go too far. There was a veterinarian that um, wanted... So there's this thing, ear mites or something that animals get, and they, they're awful, and they scra- swabbed themselves with ear mites to see what it was like and said it was the worst thing ever. Like, it was like a... It sounded like crunching, like someone eating grape nuts inside your head. That's what ear mites sounded, felt like and sounded like. No. Yeah, I was like, that's taking re- research a little too far. I mean, like, I know you're a veterinarian and you love animals, but, like, no. you're going to swab yourself with some ear mites see what it's like? No. Yeah, no. I'm that's, cool. Yeah, that's, I remember what you were talking about last week with the fentanyl patch, too. Oh, yeah. That was another one that they mentioned, you know, which I'm afraid of fentanyl. I think that's scary enough to me. Opioids are scary to me. I just don't like the way they make me feel. I don't, yeah. I just I don't, don't get off on opiates. I, I mean, I, I guess maybe I don't have enough emotional pain or physical pain <laughs> that I need to mask. Yeah. I mean, so yippee kaye for me, I guess. But it's like, I mean, I guess if you're, if there's things in your life that you don't want to face. See, I'm pretty good at facing what's going on in my life. Right. You're not in denial. I'm about not in anything. denial. Yeah, but if you're in denial, I mean, and I've seen it. I've seen it on the, on the interventions, and you. I mean, you can almost see it. I mean, we're in season 18 now, so it's not difficult to know what's going to happen in the story. But when it's like a 21 year old girl is using all this heroin, and she's, and it's like, okay, you were molested. Your dad, your parents are divorced. Your dad ignored you or called you fat. You got molested by a family member or someone close, and then you started. The downwards. Right. Then you probably had a baby when you were 17 because someone pretended they loved you, but then you got back on the heroin again and now you're 21 and you're falling apart. And you want to get your kids back, but you don't because they're living with your mom. Like, it's the same story over and over. Damn, it is. I mean, it's funny. And it's the heroin is, I have so much emotional pain. I don't have an outlet for it. Masking it. And, you know, when, and it's terrible. When you're a fort, when you're a child, when you're in that delicate, pre-adolescent or adolescent stage and someone takes it away takes it and, and and violates your body and you don't understand a what's going on or b how you're supposed to feel about it or 
and you might think it's your fault, but you don't know who to talk to and you're afraid to talk to because people are going to say that you're gross or ugly or weird or how dare you and they're going to somehow stigmatize you because of what happened and maybe they won't believe it. That's been a thing too. That's been a lot of things, yeah. People get on heroin because they're like, I told my parents that I was molested and they didn't believe me. And then they are like, well, no one believes me. I have nothing. I'm just going to do heroin all the time. That shit's real. And that, <laughs> that I, shit is I, real. I, I like the fact that, you know, he did mention the fact of like a lot of users use it for masking the pain. Right. And yeah. that makes total sense. So there's a lot of white people on the uh, who are masking a lot of pain right now since we have an opioid crisis. Absolutely. Huh? And because it's so easy to get. Drugs are easy to get from your doctor, especially if you look a certain way and present yourself in a certain way. I mean, you can go, I've seen, I've seen interventions where people go to multiple doctors. They have multiple prescriptions with multiple doctors in multiple towns and they get their opioids and they sell some and then they take some. And I mean, once you start like, and I mean, drugs are fun or whatever, but when you start doing them in weird ways, like when you're smoking pills off of tinfoil, Hmm. You know, yeah, I don't like know what that's that's, about. that's when it's like, oh, what is what's going on now? Like when you start, <laughs> it's the same reason I don't dab, because I feel like there's so much specialized equipment, and it's this thing where like you're getting 96 percent THC to your lungs immediately. Wow! But like, it's the the process almost feels like heroin to me like where you Grimy. put it in a spoon and then you put it in a thing and you do this other thing but it's like you get this nail and you heat it up with a blowtorch and then you get this thing Your and tools. you do this and then you do that and I'm like that's so that's so ritualistic <laughs> but then I guess so is rolling a joint or so is smoking a pipe or so is I don't I don't know about that because I because I've had, I've had, I've read people do appreciate the ritual of getting things together, especially if they're about to do their thing, you know, smoke mm-hmm. or shoot up. You know, some people like the ritual of having everything. It's like the calm before the storm. Right, right, right. For them. Sure. So, um, but that makes me, the ritual makes me feel like that plays into the addiction because I feel like yeah. the same way with some people that'll do like sex things or if they're like into a specific fetish, right? Like they like nipple clamps or something. So they've got all their clamps and they line them all up and they've got their weights and they've got their feathers and they've got their things and they do their, and they have it all set up and they're like, I have my safe word and now here we go. And like, there's no free freedom in it. Well, it's, it's the ritualization of whatever it is that you're doing. And there's something that you must be getting, like, out of the, I don't know. The only thing I'm ritualistic about, I think, would be, like, cooking. Because I put all my mise en place, you know, I get all my things together, all my things in place, <laughs> my mise en place. That's what I should start saying for drugs. It's your mise. Your, your mise. mise en place. It's French for things in place. And it's what you do when you're a chef and you have like your tarragon over here and your chicken over here. And then you die. Everything's salt and pepper right, right. Yes. Everything's mise en place. And so yeah. then you just start cooking and everything's there. You so you don't have, have to, to stop. All scat, you know, scat right. all over the place. Well, and you have to mise en place, I would assume with heroin because you have to have your needle and yep. you have to have your cap and you have to have your little thing and you have to have your stuff and a little piece of cotton and then fire and then fire so you've got it all together and there's your tools yeah i like that mise en place mise en place it's your mise uh so speaking of food and mise en place (laughs) i am so 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 sad because on the first 
Agri- Agricultural Secretary Purdue moves to make school lunches great again. First, let me say I hate. I don't like to use the word hate, but I hate the slogan, Make America Great Again, because it implies that something was wrong before. That's just corny, too. It is just corny. But it's saying it means that it was great at one time, like in the 50s when we were all segregated, like back in the day when everything that's what was they great. Mean by that, make America And that's then now, let's, like, the set, and that it's been playing into immigration. Make America great again. When there weren't all the. It was we, just white people. We, right. It's terrible. And the black people were ignored and in the dark. And we don't, uh, you know, the Latinos were, if some, you know, they're in their place. Right, because they're, 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 they're digging because they're digging ditches. Yeah. Right. Women were in their place. Women were in their place. Colored people were in their place. Yeah, everybody's in their place. The white man was still on top. Yeah, God, make America great again. That's Let's what go. I get out of the whole thing, you know. And, and plus, that shit was corny, too. It's just corny. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, so... Well, and then, now this is the thing that's terrible, is that by saying, make school meals great again, you're basically saying that all the hard work that the Obamas did for eight years means nothing. nothing. You corporate fascist assholes. Oh, is the agricultural community not making enough money off corn syrup anymore? Oh, they took all the corn syrup out of kids' lunches and gave them fruit and corn like we gave them vegetables having access to salads and fruits and taking away sugary drinks taking away the vending machines to sell coke to kids you can't give children unhealthy choices because they're gonna choose they're gonna choose the candy bar over the apple it's just the way it is it is and the thing it's it's we had an obesity crisis for kids for Pete's sake so that's why that she started the yeah she started the uh, move on uh uh, for the kids, the movement, yeah, the the Michelle Obama being awesome, fighting childhood obesity, getting kids to work out, changing school lunches, all of that is going oh to change. Now, it they're not they're just stopping some of the like okay so they were supposed to have a gradual reduction in the sodium levels, and basically one of the things they say is that they're just going to cap it now at the sodium. So they're allowed to give kids in their school lunches their daily maximum amount of sodium. I, we, I mean, hypertension, salt is not, we don't need to use salt. You can use like f- fresh vegetables and parsley and, you know, herbs and things instead of heavily salting and fatting the foods to make them palatable to children. And you, children will eat whatever you feed them. Like, and it starts really young. I have a small friend who's 11 now and she is so healthy and her choices and she makes her own healthy choices she chooses not to eat meat she chooses not to eat cheese because she doesn't like the way it tastes or whatever but she eats all kinds of fruits and vegetables she eats hummus she eats peanut butter she has she knows what a complete protein is she knows that like if you have you can't just eat one kind of vegetarian protein you have to have two together because it makes complete protein yay she knows all that stuff and she knows how to treat her body like a machine and it's it's great (laughs) uh you know she's doing a lot better than some of um adults yeah absolutely i mean the fact that matter is just like i mean living here in california is a blessing Mm -hmm. because we are surrounded by so we're the salad bowl yes yes we are (laughs) we are and you know the fact that you can have local fresh 
vegetables, which I love. Oh I, my gosh. I used to always eat my vegetables when I was a kid. Cucumbers are the best. <sighs> and they're like a melon. They're, well, they, they aren't even a vegetable. They're a fruit, but they're a melon. Yeah. Love cucumbers, cucumbers with tomatoes. Yeah. yeah. Put a little like lemon. Yeah. yeah. You got yourself- Oh my gosh. In the summer with the fresh tomatoes, I'm insane for yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, make it make me hungry right so, now. So now here's the thing. We don't know which article to look at because we have the USDA. Should we read what the enemy says first? Yeah, let's read. Let's okay, get so the this is the this is the this is the perspective from the USDA, and I find it very very disheartening because the USDA is about forwarding the agricultural means of the entire United States, and and we've basically changed our entire agricultural economy from being small farms to big farming and it's changed the way that the quality of our meat is and the uh-huh. and the quality of our dairy and and how we treat animals mm-hmm. and and they're they're the new slaves so the animals are the slaves we impregnate them and we don't care about them they're just like well there's animals um uh-huh. but then we're the, the happier happy happy cheese or healthy cheese comes from happy cows or whatever um okay AG Secretary Purdue moves to make school meals great again. Local control of whole grains, sodium, milk to make meals helpful, healthful and appealing. So basically they're letting the, they took away the chocolate and the strawberry milk. And they're letting the chocolate and the strawberry milk come back. Now the reason that the chocolate and the strawberry milk are a problem, it's twofold. One, milk is already entirely sugar, but you're adding more sugar to milk. So you're adding more sugar and more flavoring. B, the reason that they want to make chocolate and strawberry milk is that there's certain milk that cannot be used for adult for white consumption because the nipples of the cows are scabby or there's too much blood in it and it naturally turns not white like so it's a milk that even after it's pasteurized still has a funky color because of the ways that they were extracting the milk from the cows so it so they take that gross milk and then they just put chocolate or strawberry in it because then there's coloring so it doesn't matter I've never liked that shit it's if you want chocolate milk get the Hershey's syrup get the Ovaltine mix it into your milk quick get the quick whatever you don't need to buy pre-made chocolate milk now and the only reason they do that is so that they can sell their shitty milk thank you USDA I've never I've never liked that they are not after our best interest so here's what they say the U.S. Secretary of Agricultural, Sonny Perdue, today announced that the U.S. Department of Agricultural will provide greater flexibility in nutrition requirements for school meal programs in order to make food choices both helpful, healthful and appealing to students. Perdue made the announcement during a visit to Katosin Elementary School in Leesburg, Virginia, to mark School Nutrition Employee Week. Purdue signed a proclamation which begins the process of restoring local control of guidelines on whole grains, sodium, and milk. Purdue was joined by Senator Pat Roberts, chairman of the Senate Committee on Agriculture, Nutrition, and Forestry, and Patricia Montague, CEO of the School Nutrition Association. Now, of course, school lunches, and they've been pissed because now they've got to bring in fresh vegetables and they can't use slop out of a bag anymore. I watched this really great documentary with Jamie Oliver where I went into school lunches, and they've been trying to change this forever. In West Virginia, there was the one... On, uh I think it's the, the same sc- one that you're talking about. The schools, they, they they were in a room full of six-year-olds, and he was holding up vegetables and asking them what they are, and the kids didn't know. Oh, yeah. They didn't know what an eggplant was. They didn't know what a zucchini was. They didn't know what sprouts were. They didn't know what cabbage was. There were all these things they didn't know. And then he showed them how they make chicken nuggets. He showed them. 
And then the kids were all like, yeah, we'll still eat chicken nuggets. So basically what he did is he took, he took a chicken breast, right? There's just the bones, okay? And he put it into a queasy squeeze, a Cuisinart. And then he took um, like some fat and some other weird parts of the chicken, okay? And then he ground it all into a paste. And then he forced it through a sieve so it was this weird pink goo. And then he took the pink goo and he molded it. He mixed cornstarch into it and stuff. Corn. And then he melted it into these things and then he, you know, put it in white bread breading or whatever and, and deep fried it. And the kids were all like, yay, yum. And he's like, but you saw me. That's how they make chicken nuggets. They they take the chicken bones after they've taken off the breasts that they stick in the package that you get, like the rocky breasts, and it's just the breast part. They take the bones because in between all of those ribs are meat. It's still chicken meat. It's connective tissue, but it's meat. And that's what they make. Pit patties and yeah. chicken nuggets and the things that we feed our children. And we just add a lot of salt so it doesn't taste and gross. Don't, and don't ever watch how they make hot dogs. Ugh. Oh my God. That's even worse. Right? That's why I don't fuck with hot dogs. Right. Well, I just watch the thing on the pet food. How, how they make... how I'm I'm feeding my cat raw diet now with a little supplemented of the... Just in case of the dry food. But the number one and two ingredients on most cat foods are corn and rice. And neither of which cats can process at all. Cats are complete carnivores. All they need is meat. That's why you got so many fat cats. And so on this thing, this is, yeah, that's true. This is so funny because the reason that cat cat and dog kibble was introduced was because of World War II and they wanted to use all the canning materials for the war effort. And so they were like, we need to have a shelf stable animal food that people will eat. And so they invented kibble. And now we're all this huge pet food industry on this. And cats get all of their water, they primarily get their water from their food, which is why cats have so many kidney issues, because they're not getting enough food and flushing, because they're not getting it from their food, because kibble is dry! Yeah, and the dry, (laughs) and speaking of our cat, he had to change his diet, because he's a male cat, and depending on the cat food, it will um, he... um, Urinary tract obstructions. Sometimes they have to turn boy cats into girl cats, they have to do a trans I got a trans kitty. You trans kitty, because you have to open up their little pee-pee and take the stones out, and then they just turn it into a girl pee-pee so that it'll come out easier yeah and, and we don't think that's because of what that we're feeding them it's because of the foods the foods it was the food yeah so we had to change the diet i'm changed i've changed my cat's diet too so now that's the thing is if you we look at tiny animals and we're like let's feed them this crap and we're like i wonder why they died why they had kidney issues and it's like well it's the same thing with little people we have little people and let's feed let's feed them a bunch of sodium and a bunch of crap let's feed them let's give them cereal straws and I mean, I always go back to cereal straws because they're the most ridiculous thing. They were cereal straws, but they were covered in chocolate. And you you take the cereal straw and you put it in a glass of milk and you drink the milk through the straw and Ew. then you eat the straw. But it was basically like a cookie. Ew, that's It was like disgusting. a cookie with chocolate that was a straw that you drank your milk out of. And I was like, this is not a breakfast food. Ew. This is not a breakfast food. What's come out? Oh, God. A cereal straws, I don't know, probably in like the early 2000s. I just can't stop harping on it because it, it just makes me think of like the, it's like fruit fruit by the foot or something. Like you can make dehydrated fruit strips that are made from real fruit and that's great. But if you just take like 10% fruit juice and mix it with corn syrup and then dehydrate it and give it to kids, we give them too much sugar. Too we much give them sugar. too much fat. We give them too much sodium. We know this. 
but now we're rolling it back. That's, that was my guilty pleasure stuff too as a kid, like the fruit by the fruit and yeah. the, uh, fruit roll-ups. That was like the one sweet stuff that my mom would allow me to have. But other than that, I would eat fruit and vegetables. I That's was only like, allowed to eat the ones that were real fruit dehydrated. They're like fruit strips. Or the fruit fruit, yeah. yeah, they're not just because my mom wouldn't do all that shit she yeah. had she was working working i know and that's the thing is when your mom is working she doesn't have time to make the lunch and make the cool sandwich that you like and the way that you like it with the little thing and all this stuff and you get the school lunch and they're giving you these choices what are as a child what are you going to go for you're going to go for the pizza. pizza you're going to go for the which so and if pizza if you're going to have if you're going to serve them pizza let's talk about the whole grains that used to be there used to be a whole grain like thing where it's like, okay, you can't serve white flour pizza. You got to have a, a, a uh, what's it called? Wheat bread pizza dough. Great. Why can't we have a whole grain pizza dough? But they're rolling it back now. So um, this announcement is the result of years of feedback from students, schools, and food service experts about the challenges they are facing in meeting the final regulations for school meals, Purdue said. If kids aren't eating the food and it's ending up in the trash, they aren't getting any nutrition, thus undermining the intent of the program. Now, someone commented on this after, and they're like, it's the same amount of trash that there's been. Kids, it doesn't... Anyways, uh, I commend Secretary Purdue for taking this important step, step, said Montague, who is the is the school nutrition association. I, I praise him for making things easier for us. Cause it was really hard to feed the kids good food. We have been wanting flexibility so that our schools can serve meals that are both nutritious and palatable. We don't want kids wasting their meals by throwing them away. Some of our schools are actually using that food waste as compost. That shouldn't be happening. Yes, it should. You should, of course, use your food waste as compost. Kids are going to throw shit, their shitty food out once it comes back anyway, because kids are arrogant like that. And kids now are picky. Picky, yeah. We have so much choice. Right. Even a six-year-old have so much choice. Right. So most likely, yeah, a lot of kids, put it this way, school lunches were never the shit. Okay, they've always been shitty. Right. And I I mean, I don't know. I it's... remember my favorite thing from our school lunch counter when I was in high school. It was 55 cents. That was one of the reasons I liked it. And it was an enormous piece of bread, complete crispy, but completely soaked in margarine with cinnamon sugar on it. It oh, was 55 cents. And nice. I ate that all the time. And it's like a big piece of white bread with margarine, not even real butter, and it's sugar on it. Sugar. And I was so happy, and it's gross. Uh, I went to Catholic school uh, my early, all the way up to eighth grade. So our lunches were pretty good, at, but in high school, they got shittier to me because I, I wasn't, I guess Catholic school had better food. Yeah, hey. <laughs> That's what it was. I, I ended up bringing a lot of my cents. food. But, wow, schools have been facing increasing fiscal burdens as they attempt to adhere to existing stringent nutrition requirements. According to USDA figures, school food requirements cost school districts and states an additional $1.22 billion in fiscal year 2015. Yes, feed the kids. At the same time, costs are going up. Most states are reporting that they've seen a decrease in student participation in school lunches. As nation wide about 1 million students choose not to have a school lunch each day this impacts schools in two ways the decline in school lunch participation means reduced revenue to schools while simultaneously encountering increased costs Ugh, that it's all money is really sad yeah i was talking to some folks in washington about this and they said that the current program is working how do you know i asked they said it's because 99 percent of schools are at least partially compliant well only in washington can that be considered proof that the system is working as it was intended Purdue said a perfect example is in the South where schools want to serve grits, but the whole grain variety 
has little black flakes in it and the kids won't eat it. The school is compliant with the whole grain requirements, but no one is eating the grits. That doesn't make any sense. <gasps> oh, because you just killed the kids that that's the way it is. Oh, 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 this is a parenting issue, not a... This is a parenting issue. Thank you. This is... <sighs> this, this, uh, th- th- choice. Choice. Whole grains, sodium, milk. Are you really rolling back these things? Whole grains. So this is the specific flexibilities are whole grains. Schools are experiencing challenges finding the full range of products they need that their students enjoy in a grain-rich form. They need continued flexibility in meeting the whole grain requirement for school meals. The USDA will allow states to grant exceptions to schools experiencing hardship in serving 100% grain products as whole grain-rich for the school year 2017-2018. USDA will take all necessary regulatory action to implement a long-term solution. So you can't, so this is basically what they're saying is they can't find any frozen pizzas that have whole grains. Why can't school lunches start making things from scratch again? Why can't, why can't this lunch ladies make dough? Money. Yeah, but it's the same money. You pay the lunch lady the same amount of money. You just have them make the food. I mean, I would be a lunch lady if they let me cook, like actually cook for children. I'd make, I'd go in there and make fresh bread. If you made, if we made fresh bread dough every morning for the kids with whole grains, they would eat it. Everyone loves fresh bread. You made the pizza, you put the, put the, you put the whole grains, you put the good tomato sauce without the sodium, you put the cheese. Money. I don't think there's a different, I feel like processed foods cost more than real foods. Money. Ah, <laughs> sodium. There's actually, um, once you're done reading this, there's an article that I got to find about the lunch lady who uh, refused to stop serving the food that she was forced to, uh, upon the kids. Right, because to... it's disgusting. It's yeah. like prison food. Uh, sodium. For schools years 2017 through 2018 through 2020, schools will not be required to meet the sodium target. Two, instead, schools that meet the sodium target one will be considered compliant. So basically what they were going to try to lower the sodium components over the following years. And they've said, nah, you guys are compliant with sodium one. Let them have all that salt because it's hard for the, oh, is it hard for you adults to find healthy foods for the kids? Isn't that your job? Can't you just do your job? Instead of changing the requirements, do your fucking job and make things healthy for kids. This is insane to me. Like, this is almost like, I almost want to get on board with Betsy DeVos' idiot homeschooling bullshit. Because then at least the kids will be eating the food from home, but then do their parents know how to cook or they just give them the crappy thing from a box? I mean, there's an entire overhaul on the education system that needs to even be involved with the adults and how we educate our children on healthy food choices by what we eat. But it's like not even, okay, the Obamas are gone. Okay, okay, I got it, I got it. Um, milk. Milk is a key component to school meals, meaning milk, uh, meaning schools must have more options for students who select milk as a part of their lunch or breakfast. Purdue will direct the USDA to begin regulatory process for schools who serve 1% flavored milk through the school meal programs. USDA will seek to publish an interim rule as soon as possible to affect the change in milk policy. Okay, that, I already told that is specifically, yeah. that's specifically to help the USDA. That is not to help children. I, I can't, so I can't, I have to, we have to not, like, yeah. meats and shit. Yeah. We're sodium. We're all going back to the process. Yeah, that's why the sodium. That's why the sodium levels. You can't find processed meats without tons of sodium. Because you can't take gross meat and make it taste like good meat without adding a ton of salt. But what you can do instead, I have made chicken nuggets from scratch, and you take thighs of chicken and you take them off the bone you use the bones for stock or for something else later and you grind them up 
in a Cuisinart and you add a little bit of cornstarch or some flour or you know what? You don't even have to use that. You can just use an egg and then you zhum zhum it up, add a little tiny bit of salt, some pepper and then it makes these little patties and then you put them in, put them in panko crumbs and then you bake them in the oven and there's enough fat in the, in the uh, chicken itself that it tastes delicious and it's amazing. I'm so upset because that the Trump administration's tone-deaf move on school lunch. Uh, this is the SAC B. This is what I want to see what they say. Sacramento B's kind of, they're on our side. They're, you know, California. They, and they picked this up right after, too, which I was excited about. Tr- Team Trump wants to make school lunches great again. It'll make kids fatter instead. Let's check. Oh, yes. Yeah. Here, yeah, well, this, this, is, this is a good one. Who are you going to trust on school nutrition? Former First Lady Michelle Obama or our new fast food loving president and agribusiness owner? Ooh, ooh, ding, three, chalk it up, three. Using, using presidential, ooh, oh, impeach, impeach, impeach. Using 25th Amendment. Please, if he is an agribusiness owner and he's ch- they're changing the policy on school lunches to to favor agribusiness and big business agriculture who profits personally. This is impeachment. Okay, I don't mean to get crazy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listeners. I think you should get This crazy. is just crazy to me because as on the AltaCast, ding, 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 this is strike three, okay? One, Tomahawk missiles. Who gains money? Tomahawk stock owners. Who owns stock? Cheeto. Cheeto. Betty owns stock in Cheetos. <laughs> Two, Marl Del Longo, the, using the State Department, putting them on the website, advertising. using advertising, even Winter, ding 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 ding, even using Marl Mar- Del Longo for anything, using Winter White House, using White House funds to take people where he personally profits. This is an impeachable offense. Oh, third thing, he owns agriculture. <sighs> the standards that Obama pushed as part of her Let's Move campaign have been good for the health of America's school children. Starting in 2012, the rules required schools to serve more fresh fruits, vegetables, and whole grains, and limited salty, sugary, and fatty foods. The new Agricultural Secretary, Sonny Perdue, announced Monday he would partly roll back those rules. After chowing down on chicken nuggets at Virginia Elementary School, he said the administration wants to... Purdue. Yeah, this guy. He's part, of, he's part of the Purdue family, the chicken. No. Yes, I just put that together. Oh, my God. Yeah, those are the chicken farmers, the Purdue chicken and stuff. This is insane to me because we've, we've, given, we've <laughs> given our government to the hands of big business, and they are, they are financially winning. Yeah. That just that because totally of us now. That is insane to me. Of course they would give because it's all gifts. Yeah. Oh yeah, you could be the secretary of agriculture. Oh, you own chicken farms. That sounds like a great match. <laughs> After chowing down on chicken nuggets at a Virginia elementary school, he said the administration wants to make school meals great again, meaning that vegetables and fruits are bad. Asshole. Senator Pat Roberts of Kansas, the Republican chairman of the Senate Agricultural Committee, inserted similar language in the budget deal set for approval this week to fund the federal government through September 30th. So starting in fall, low-fat chocolate milk and more white bread will be on the menu, and high-salt foods can stay. But when we have a crisis of diabetes and childhood obesity, why would we backslide on junk food? 
The changes are opposed by many health advocacy groups and backed by corporations that sell food to schools. The big argument of Purdue and Roberts is that kids won't eat the more nutritious food and it's being thrown out. Sure, healthy items, items need to be more appetizing. But by that logic, we should just give kids give kids burgers and fries every day. Purdue and Roberts also say the Obama rules are too restrictive and costly for school districts. Congress, however, has already allowed states to apply for waivers if they can't meet the standards. And we have to consider the higher health care costs that are to ensue from unhealthy lunches. Los Angeles Unified, the nation's second largest public school district, has already said it plans to stick with the healthier menu. Uh, 45 is signing one executive order after another to erase Barack Obama's legacy, especially regulations to protect the environment and workers. And now it seems his administration is going after Michelle Obama's achievements as well, even if the health of America's kids gets worse as a result. It's nice. Here's a nice picture at the bottom of then First Lady Michelle Obama and Food Network chef Rachel Ray discussing lunch with students from Eastside and Northside Elementary Schools in Clinton, Missouri in 2013. The Trump administration is rolling back nutrition rules for school lunches that Obama championed. And there's there's like apples all over the table and uh, kids will eat what you give them. Seriously, if you give if you roll this back, the next thing that's going to happen, I guarantee you, is that we're going to have the uh, the vending machines back. Oh, the vending machines with the Fruitopia, so the Fruitopia and the Coca-Cola. And here's the thing. when they, they were Fruitopia has 10% real juice. It's just all sugar. It's just flavored Coca-Cola. It's just fruit-flavored Coca-Cola is basically yeah, what it it's is. It's just sugar and water. But it fools the children into believing that it's Fruitopia. I don't think they still sell that shit, though, anymore. Did they they? let go of Fruitopia? I think they did. Well, Gatorade! Yeah. (laughs) So Gatorade has tons of sugar. Yeah, but it has tons of sugar, too. Like, can't children drink water? water? I mean, even fruit juices are super highly concentrated, but they're better than Coca-Cola. But if if you give a child, you put in front of a child a glass of water, a glass of, like, a a green smoothie. Let's say a smoothie that's green. Or a Coca-Cola. What is the child going to choose? Depends who the parent's child. Ah, good answer. Yeah. Because there's a lot of assholes with kids Mm. who don't know how to raise their kids right. Mm. Just give them all that sugar so they can shut the hell up. That's not how you raise a kid. See that shit on the bus? That makes me angry. I know you see it on the bus, too. Mm. Just give them orange soda so they can shut up. No, Mm. you're killing your kids slowly. Your kid has bigger titties than the mom. Yeah. We got a problem with that. I've seen it. I've seen it. It's it's terrible. Uh, So, hey, everybody. Give kids good food. Eat good food yourselves. Stop eating fast food. Shit's gross. It's gross. I'm. I mean, the thing. Is, I know it's really upsetting. It, it's it, uh, whatever. I know there's there's. I know I know whatever. It's what do we do? What can we do? And that's the thing is like, I don't have kids, so you know who the fuck am I championing the rights of children? <laughs> I, mean, I shouldn't care. I should be like, yeah, get all get all fat and unhealthy. Like, but it's just. That's not how Make you money for the doctors. In our future, I know, I That's know, but you... we're. I am, I am, I am so scared for 
the next 40 years, what it's going to look like, and if, if, if this truly is like the, the fall of the Roman Empire. That's if we make it to four years. You kidding Well, me? I'm not going to make it 40 years, I mean, but I don't think the kids are either with this new make school lunch great again. Just give them more salt so they have hypertension when they're 20. But the problem is, I don't think these people realize that these children are supposed to are investments, mm. and you're supposed to protect your investment, and giving them these unhealthy choices and options, and just let them, oh, they'll just have burgers and fries how is that helping them and especially throughout the school day oh think about how okay so lunch is at noon or one o'clock or sometimes 11 in elementary Mm -hmm. so then after that they go have recess then they're tired you know why they're tired they don't want to learn anymore after that because all the sugar and the sodium that you've given them after that i mean it's it's not good brain food it's not no what i'm trying Uh -uh. to say no, it is, yeah, fat and sugar, and it doesn't last. And so it's going to be in their little systems for a very short time. And then we wonder why it's one o'clock and they're falling asleep in class. Duh. <laughs> because it's like fast acting, short lived sugar. It's like, yeah. it's like crack. You're high for like 10 minutes and then you crash. Right. And then, and then they're giving them all that Ritalin stuff exactly. too. It was terrible. Okay, so on to. The uh, hot, dirty pee sheriff and the sheriff rap for the day. Oh, shit. We are talking about education. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Betsy DeVos is unqualified to be the secretary of education. Um, Here are some fun quotes that she said. Uh, Betsy DeVos claims that historically black colleges and universities are pioneers of school choice that started from the fact that there were too many students in America who did not have equal access to education. She, you know, the worst thing about her right now, actually, is that she championed so much. She ruined Michigan's oh, yeah. education system, just destroyed it with a lot of charter schools and homeschooling and the whatnot. But a lot of the homeschooling didn't come out of parents saying, I'm, I really want to teach my own children and I want to, I, I want to educate them and I, I need to be homeschooling. They did it because they didn't want to be with black kids. So they just said, well, homeschooling's okay. So the parents were like, well, I don't want them, you know, being in integrated classrooms and, and so I'm just going to keep them home and teach them my white supremacy. <laughs> you know? It's dangerous. Because it's oh, dangerous. Do you want to hear another fun fact about Betsy DeVos? Oh, yeah. Um... This is a slap to black people who, uh, well, basically, so a, a black college, uh, Beth, uh, Mary Bethum College in Florida, mm-hmm. is having her speak at their graduation. Oh, my goodness. This is a historical black college that invited her to speak. Are they going to throw tomatoes at her? I don't, I don't know, a, but there's a, a petis- funny- petition going around, and they're trying to sign, and it's just like... They mentioned that quote too. Yeah. And it's just like, um, one of those needle scratching moments of what the fuck are you thinking? Yeah. It's like, maybe we started segregation and maybe that's why they (laughs) started their own equal access to education. This is a great one. When asked about guns in schools, I would imagine there's probably a gun in the school to protect from potential grizzlies. Uh, I may have confused it in response to the question. So were you unaware when I just asked you about the idea that it was federal law, the IDEA, that it was a federal law? 
I may have confused it. What? Uh, it is the Secretary of Education's job to implement the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. So, about the IDEA, that it was a federal law. I may have confused it. Oh, yeah, we have to have a... Um, Jesus Christ. Implement, you know... Uh, I think, if I'm understanding your question correctly about proficiency, I would also correlate it to competency and mastery so that each student is measured according to the advancement they're making in each subject area. Al Franken's response, well, that's growth. That's not proficiency. (laughs) I'm not a numbers person when asked to provide numbers on how she will change education culture. What? This was said during a speech on private school vouchers at the Brookings Institute on Wednesday. I don't know numbers. I don't know numbers. I don't know numbers. I don't know numbers. This is my favorite stuff. This is the unbelievable quotes that I... They... People say she really said it. She says she didn't really say it. There's an unbelievable quote going around from Betsy DeVos. She really said it. Okay, this is... My family is the biggest contributor of soft money to the Republican Party. I have decided to stop taking offense at the suggestion that we are buying influence. Now I simply concede the point. They are right. We do expect something in return. We expect a return on our investment. So basically what that means is she gave them, her family gave them money and of course she expected the job. I want a return on my investment. We gave you soft money, the Republican Party. Now pay me back and make me as unqualified as I am. Oh, wait, 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 wait. But our president of the United States is completely unqualified. Oh, wait, 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 wait. But the, uh, the secretary of agriculture is really a chicken farmer. Oh, wait, 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 wait. The, the secretary of education actually just gave the administration a ton of money and then got a job. Oh, wait, after wait, she, wait. Yeah, oh, wait, 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 wait. Ben Carson, uh, he is uh, in charge of the secretary of uh, the housing. <laughs> He's really qualified. <laughs> he got stuck in an elevator. He's stupid. <laughs> uh, here's He's definitely qualified. Ben, ben Carson didn't even want the job. <laughs> That's a funny thing. Ben Ben Carson's actually, uh, besides being a crazy crackpot, and as we discussed in our other song, um, Little Uncle Tommy, he's at least somewhat been in government for a while. Like... He's got gifted hands. I don't, he's got gifted hands. I mean, it was a, he's a smart guy. He's a doctor. Okay, this is a, this is a quote from Donald Trump in 1998. 1998. Oh. If I were to run, I'd run as a Republican. They're the dumbest group of voters in the country. They believe anything on Fox News. I could lie and they'd still eat it up. My numbers would be terrific. <laughs> God. This is the entire quote. From, from Betsy and this will be <coughs> heavens to Betsy my family is the biggest contributor of soft money to the national um, Republican National Committee I've decided to talk stop, sticking, stop taking offense at the suggestion that we are buying influence now I simply concede the point they are right we do expect something in return we expect to foster a conservative governing philosophy consisting of liver, limited government and respect for traditional American virtues we expect a return on our investment so we cut out a little bit of it, you know, but she did say it. it's true that the DeVos family have been and are huge contributors to the Republican Party. Followthemoney.org said that DeVos and her husband have made campaign contributions of $47,559,870 between 2000 and 2015. Jesus Christ. The National Institute on Money 
in state politics also reported that over a number of years, DeVos has donated more than $2.6 million to Republican candidates and conservative groups. DeVos was, by the narrowest of margins, voted in as education secretary after Vice President Mike Pence was forced to cast a rare tie-breaking vote on the Senate floor. There were 51 votes in favor and 50 against. With that, with the above in mind, uh, any wary in, in, internet user would question the validity of the viral DeVos quote. Surely it was mocked up in a similar way to the Dr. Trump quote, right? Apparently not. According to the New Yorker, the Washington Post, and the Center for Public Integrity, as reported by ABC News, Betsy DeVos was brutally candid about her views on money and politics in 1997 op-ed she wrote for the Capitol Hill newspaper Roll Call. Uh, this is people, and this is at the end. This is her own quote: "People like us must surely be stopped." So there you have it. One internet quote picture that can't be entirely debunked. Wow. And and the subject of quotes in March 2016, Voss told the Washington Examiner that Donald Trump was an interloper who did not represent the Republican Party. <laughs> is it crazy? I mean, it's crazy. There is just no trust. All of those people are just some sharks. Like, no trust. Sharks. Maybe that'll be our... <laughs> Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Oh, Betsy DeVos, we're calling you out. Oh, heavens to Betsy. Let's... How far can we ruin education? Let's start with Michigan! Yay! Michigan! Michigan. I'm can't. Yeah. I'm really worried about Betsy DeVos. I'm really worried about Betsy DeVos. Heavens to Betsy. Heavens to Betsy. She's a shark. She's a shark. If you think I'm understanding your question correctly about proficiency, I would also correlate it to competency and mastery so that each student is measured according to the advancement that they're making in each subject matter. Secretary of Education. Well, that's not growth. That's proficiency. Oh, well, that's gross. That's not proficiency. She doesn't know. I don't know. None of us know. Betsy DeVos. Betsy DeVos. Secretary of Education. She's a shark. She's a shark. She should fight some grizzlies. (laughs) I would imagine that there's probably a gun in the school. I would imagine there's probably a gun in the school. Bang, bang. To protect from potential grizzlies. Bang. Grizzly bears Bang. in Michigan Didn't know there were grizzly bears school. in Michigan Ever oh. heard about Columbine? <laughs> there weren't no grizzlies Just a bunch of kids in coats killing other kids Don't worry, because at least they're buying guns Which is good for the economy, right? Betsy DeVos claimed that historically black colleges and universities are pioneers of school choice. What? That started from the fact that there were too many students in America who didn't have equal access to education. Just 
just segregation. Brown versus education, 1954. Not enough education, just segregation. Segregation, yeah. I love homeschooling and charter schools and all that stuff, cause it's for segregation. Not education, segregation. Let's bring it back. Let's make America great again. Make America great again. Make America great again. When the white people were in charge, yeah. My family is the biggest contributor of soft money. Soft, soft. To the Republican National Committee. By my way, by my way, by my way, forty-seven million dollars. Did it by my way in? Did it by my way in? I have decided to stop taking offense at the suggestion that we are buying influence. Oh, buying influence with our soft money, buying influence with our soft money. Now I simply concede the point. They are right. We do expect something in return for investment, like a job, like a job, like I don't know. How about education secretary? Oh, grizzly bears in classrooms. Oh, let's shoot them. We expect to foster a conservative governing philosophy consisting of limited government and respect for traditional American virtues. That word tradition again. And virtues. Oh, she means white. American virtues. She means white. American American virtues. Oh, she, she means white. And we expect a return on our investment. She bought herself in bought herself in she's white yay yay <laughs> betsy devos yay it's just so sickening like the whole administration is just ripping every it's, there's it's really bad they, they like money they're they're hurting their investments well they're it and usually we used to say that the children were our investments yeah but we're you know making their schools unhealthy again and and by the way, this will this will also affect rich kids too. I mean, it, uh, I don't know. It, I, it's gonna affect everybody. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, what 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 else are we gonna roll back? So we're already he's trying to just negate Obama's past eight years of great yeah. things that he did, and his wife. So let's get rid of that. And then what are we gonna roll back to? <laughs> I keep going back to this "Make America Great Again" thing. America, we should be talking about the future, not the past. Let's not bring us back to where we've been. Remember when we were slave owners? Remember, oh. Do we remember that? Funny that you should mention that. Can you please look up uh, Cheeto and Andrew Jackson quote? This is the stupid uh, Cheeto moment of, I guess, the week so far. Uh, I want you to read what he said <laughs> radio wow. listeners i really wish you could see pam's face of <laughs> so this is this is from the new york times this is trump quotes about andrew jackson and the civil war <laughs> speaking to the washington examiner reporter selena zito last week president 45 made some puzzling claims about president andrew jackson who died 16 years before the outbreak of the civil war an audio excerpt from the interview was played Monday on Zito's show on Sirius XM Radio, prompting some criticism by historians. The full exchange. Trump. 
they said my campaign is most like my campaign and win was most like Andrew Jackson's win with his campaign. And I said, when was Andrew Jackson? It was 1828. That's a long time ago. That's Andrew Jackson. And he had a very, very mean and nasty campaign because they said he was this was the meanest and nastiest. And unfortunately, it continues. Zito, his wife died. Trump, his wife died. They destroyed his wife and she died. And you know, he was a swashbuckler. When his wife died, you know, he visited her grave every day. I visited her grave actually because I was in Tennessee. Zito, oh, that's right, you were in Tennessee, Trump. And it was amazing. The people of Tennessee are amazing people. Well, they love Andrew Jackson. They love Andrew Jackson in Tennessee. Zito, yeah, he's fascinating, Trump. I mean, I had Andrew Jackson. Had Andrew Jackson been a little later, you wouldn't have had the Civil War. He was a very tough person, but he had a very big heart. And he was really angry that what he saw was happening with regard to the Civil War. He said, there's no reason for this. People, you don't realize, you know, the Civil War. You, you think about it, why? Zito, yeah, people don't ask that question. But why was there a Civil War? Why could that not have been worked out? Can we just all get along? Can we just all? Can we just all get along? Don't people don't ask that question? But why? Why was there a civil war? Why couldn't that one that one been worked out? You know why there was a civil war? I don't know. I don't know. Slavery, the black people uh, slavery this time. The whole succession uh, thing. Oh, and by the way, uh, that's a great quote. Don't is, ask, people don't ask that question. But why was there a civil war? Why couldn't that have worked out? Andrew Jackson pre- could have prevented the civil war because he <laughs> sixteen years. He died sixteen years before the outbreak of it. But if if he would have been born a little later, you wouldn't have had the civil war because he was a very tough person and he loved his fucking slaves. Oh, and Andrew Jackson also slaughtered a bunch of indigenous Amer- or indigenous people. So yeah, he he did not like colored people. The blood is on all of our hands. Yeah. I just wanted you to read that. Like That's this crazy. is this is why we have the separate uh, Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. This is who our president is, who doesn't even know any historical facts. Ugh. Yeah, no historical facts. Ugh. Like seriously. I'm. I'm it, it, it pains me if you don't know any of your American. And if you're in charge of education, I'm not good with numbers. Fucking. I'm not good with numbers. I, I just don't understand it. Did you? Oh, I know. My God. This is a head shaker today. It's a head shaker. I know. So, in 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 uh, in summary of the day, uh, know about your drugs before you take them. Yes. Uh, yay for Wisconsin overturning Act Two Nine Two with the uh, incarcerating pregnant women if yeah. they've said they'd have a couple beers. Uh, <laughs> Boo, boo on um, Purdue and changing the lunch and rolling back the Obama's wonderful work on feeding children healthy foods at lunchtime. And uh, Betsy DeVos. Wow, what a dumb cunt. That's so great. So glad she's in charge of education. I'm, I'm really so glad I don't, I don't teach in public schools anymore because oh, you, oh my god, I was, a, I was a credentialed school teacher for four years, and I'm you so glad I don't do it anymore. Your hair out. Oh, I wouldn't. I just uh, the reason I left credentialed school teaching in 2001 was because of No Child Left Behind. I saw what uh, George W.'s new policies, what they were going to be bringing to education, and I was like, I cannot. Mortified. I was, I can't. I was like, I can't. I can't do this. I, I couldn't. 
I just couldn't do it. I was like, I got to get out of this. So I left. And 16 years later, just imagine. I know, I know. And all those kids, I could have helped be able to write the five paragraph essay that another stupid. (sighs) Those were the baby steps. I'm done. I'm done trying to save the world. Thank you for joining us on the AltaCast. Um, Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, as always, I'm so glad that you were here. This pale. Uh, good times. And we did it again. We had a great show. Did it again. Coming up next on Some Call Me Tim, I'm very excited to have special guest Mike Scott of uh, past poetry fame. Uh, and he used to be one of the brainwashed peoples. He's uh, the best lord of the land and a great home chef, uh, newly married. I have no idea what he's going to talk about on Some Call Me Tim. Uh, or I mean, I know he used to believe believe in a lot of anarchism and crazy things. But we'll find out if he has... He's wearing a suit. So he might have changed his ways. No, I think that he's still he's still that same old Mike Scott on the, on the inside wants to go gamble, who might even be able to teach us a little bit about craps today. I don't know. I know he believes in that nice felt board and winning money. So, uh, hey, thanks again, Latoya. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, it's uh, it's always fun here on the AltaCast. We will uh, be back next week with uh, more stuff with song number eight on our honor of twelve on the album, and uh, it's uh, number one sixteen. If you could just double click that. And we'll be back next week. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Yay. If you're like me, you're probably wondering, should I inject bleach into my eyeballs with a needle? Well, that's an excellent question. I'm so glad you asked. Statistics show that no. No, you should not inject bleach into your eyeball with a needle. Paid for by the committee to stop injecting bleach into the eyeballs with needles. The Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, We need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country, as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. If you want global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines, vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. 
you from time to time. I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> We are Unleash the Rain, and we're coming to you streaming live every Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. here at MutinyRadio.fm in the Mission in San Francisco. Because we need more rain in San Francisco. Yes, we're still in a drought here in California, but this is a business show, you silly man. Uh, I was hoping for a rain dance. Well, why, that would be a lot of fun, and we do have a lot of fun on the show. What we do is we help small and medium-sized businesses leverage technology to increase revenue and reduce expenses and make it rain for your business. Are you sure it's going to be fun if I listen? We are very fun. We're also real world. We are not messing around. We're going to give you the real deal. Cool. So I can send an email to Vincent at Unleash the Rain or Stacy at Unleash the Rain and ask my business question or my yes, technology question? Absolutely. Ask us your business and technology questions. We would love to answer those on the air. And then listen to our podcast or listen to us live on and, Tuesdays. And also Tuesdays. check us out on Facebook at Unleash the Rain. Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find counter-offer, and my offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini, and creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They got them! And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads gonna come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk. 
come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment wherein both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. This is a story of three strangers hosting an open mic. When comics stop being polite and start getting real. This is the Six Sad Open Mic. Every Tuesday from 8 to 10 p.m. and every fourth Tuesday as our Six Sad Showcase. Brought to you by Adrian Villalone, Valerie Vernali, and Katie Carnes. See you there, angsties. You're standing on my neck. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. 